Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Sorry for the late episode. It was a combination of... Just not wanting to do it right afterwards. Um, then uh, got a little sleepy, and then I was busy earlier today. So here I am on Monday night, a full 24 hours and change from the um, abysmal showing uh, down in Tampa, wearing those equally abysmal uh, uniforms uh, that uh, the Bears didn't never release their their uh, their their uniform schedule, so I don't know when we're gonna see those again. But I do know that uh, we won't see them next week on the road against Kansas City. Hopefully, we'll be wearing my favorite uni combo uh, uh, on for any team and any sport, which is the uh, the road uniforms, the the white tops and the blue bottoms with our good old fashioned navy helmet. Uh, so at least we'll look good against the Chiefs while they're kicking the unholy piss out of us uh, next week. Or at least so one would think. But um, having watched both the games that Chiefs have played so far this year, it's not impossible for the Bears to go out. And, and, and it's like this is not a total Kool-Aid moment. This is me watching the Chiefs. Now it may also be the fact that uh, you know they've they've played the Jags and the Lions, one team from the playoffs and another that's expected to go to the playoffs or you know was a hair away from the playoffs last year, which is what's given them so much trouble. Uh, only twenty points against the Lions, seventeen against the Jaguars yesterday. But uh, I don't know, man. It's um, you know. Logic would tell you it's going to be a bloodbath uh, in Arrowhead. I don't think the Bears are going to win, but I don't think Kansas City is going to murder us. I think it's definitely capable. It's definitely possible. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, before we get to you know what could be next Sunday's massacre, uh, we need to talk about the one that took place yesterday uh, in Tampa in those god-awful, goddamn orange uniforms. And, um, yeah. We got a bit to cover, so let's go ahead and dive right in. This is the week two review episode of the Bears Talk Underground, so let's get to it. Well, who says God doesn't have a sense of humor? Only to uh, have Bear fans uh, get so excited, so hopeful, so optimistic uh, about a season because, hey, it can't be any worse than being the worst team in the league a year ago, could it? No, no, of course not, especially with, you know, the, the, the moves that was made, the you know, talent that was brought in. We, we upgraded the roster on every level in one form or another to, like, overall, from top to bottom, this roster is 10 times more talented than the one that took the field 
last year. And, um, you know, just compare the two. You'll look at it and be like, yeah, yeah. A lot of the guys that the, are on the team anymore, a lot of them aren't like Byron Pringle. Who did he end up with? Nobody. You know, it's where did, where did any of the guys that the Bears let go end up going to? You know, are they playing? Are they are they practice squad players? You know, that kind of thing. It's just, you know, they were lucky to have gotten a job uh, with us last year and uh, don't have one this year. But, you know, we, we got quite an upgrade in talent, but you'd never know it from the first two games that have been played by this team. And while some people that aren't ready to hit the panic button are saying, you know, and it makes sense. The argument being that, you know, logic says that because we have all these new people and because nobody plays in the preseason uh, anymore, you know, for all the practice reps in the world, you can take nothing beats live reps. And there's just no such thing until you actually get to the regular season. Some teams are talented enough or have been playing together for a while that they can hit the ground running when the season starts. Apparently the Bears are not one of those teams. Now I'm hoping that we can figure it out and that this offense can start playing up to its potential. We saw flashes of it yesterday on at least two really nice drives that the Bears put together, uh, both both of which resulted in touchdowns. But otherwise, we saw a lot of what we saw last year. Like in those first six weeks, we were like, what happened to the offense that we saw in the preseason? Now, granted, aside from two really nice-looking screenplays against the Titans, we didn't really see anything good on offense in the preseason this year. Uh, you know, we didn't have Justin Fields out there for three quarters playing like a beast uh, like he did against the Browns to close out the preseason uh, last year with three touchdowns and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. That didn't happen uh, this year. And, uh, you know, so we look like an offense that's still trying to figure it out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just not going well. And then I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't take us six weeks and a two and four record right now, two and four, we'd be lucky to get two and four in the first six weeks, but you know, I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't take us six weeks and a two and four record to figure out how to run the offense again, like we did last year, you know, like that we we come out after that mini buy, uh, uh, and and take on the Patriots on Monday Night Football. Everybody's expecting us to get smoked by the by the Patriots, and we come out there and just take them to the house, 34, 33 to fourteen in that game. Now, sadly, that was the last game we won, and here we are, almost a full calendar year later, waiting for our next victory because we've lost twelve straight regular season games. The ten games after that win in New England, and the first two of twenty twenty three, we're on a twelve game losing streak. Um, which I'm sure for this franchise has got to be some kind of record. So there's that. But, uh, you know, yeah. So, I mean, it's uh, some people out there saying to be patient uh, with this. And I get where they're coming from. Their argument makes sense. But at the same time, I'm tired of being patient. I'm impatient with being patient. I'm tired of waiting these waiting for these guys to figure it out. I'm tired of it. You know, I want to see production on the field. You know, on game day. I, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about how well 
the chemistry between Fields and, and DJ Moore looks uh, in practice or how sharp they look in practice. You know, it just feels like Mark Tressman all over again coming to the press conference afterwards and be like, well, I don't know what happened. We had a great week of practice. It's like, okay, for all the good it does, apparently. Have you tried having a crappy week of practice? Maybe you might play some decent football. So, I mean, it's it's getting harder and harder to watch, harder and harder to have patience, harder and harder to believe in the team, and harder and harder to believe in our quarterback. Just watching him do the same things over and over again. And there was obviously some patience when he was a rookie. There's a lot to adjust to, especially at the quarterback position. Last year, there was some patience with A, a weak supporting cast, and B, learning another system, learning a, you know, his second offensive system in his second uh, season as a professional. But here we are, and granted, he's got new talent around him again that he's still you know learning how to play with. But it's year two of the offense. We've heard all about how he's had a, you know like a remarkable um, improvement from learning the offense this year to knowing the offense this year, but we're not seeing it. We're not seeing it. It's like Mitch Trubisky from 2018 to 2019, where all they talked about in training camp in 2019 was last year was, was, you know, 101. This year it's 202 and he's thriving. And then the season starts and we didn't see any of that thriving going on. We just never saw it. And, you know, I hate to f- compare fields to Mitch, but we're, but the funny thing is we're also seeing the same things as far as what they're, what he's being called to do and what we know he's good at and we're not get, we're getting away from it. Like with, with Mitch, we needed to, to move him around in the pocket, you know, do some rollouts, maybe some bootlegs, you know, something like that. And, you know, we, and, and what's even more aggravating is that we saw Fields, you know, here's the word again, thrive last year with this. Like starting with that Patriots game, we finally turned Justin Fields loose. We made him the steam that drives the engine on offense, not just because he's the quarterback, but because he's our best player on offense. And, you know, there are ways to do what Justin Fields does best and include everybody else in the process because look what happened to Cole Komet. He had such a great year last year. The Bears locked him up for four years and $50 million. So being able to... You know, make our quarterback look good while getting everyone else involved is absolutely possible. And, uh, you know, with a guy like DJ Moore, who probably still didn't have that great of a game yesterday and caught six passes for 104 yards. That's what it looks like when you get DJ Moore involved in the football game. Two, ca- two targets for two ca- catches and, two, and 25 yards against Green Bay last week. Pathetic. So, but, you know... We can get Cole Komet involved. We can. We got to find some kind of. We also have to find consistency on offense as well, because we actually ran the ball fairly well yesterday. The uh, Roshan Johnson uh, ran the ball well. Khalil Herbert, but we just. It was the the Justin Fields passing show the entire uh, the entire game, and we were squandering our opportunities. Uh, yesterday and it, it, it's always you'll hear me talk about this in a knee-jerk reaction it always seems like the wrong everything that can go wrong does go wrong on these on these plays you know uh, probably on a play where, where Justin uh, you know sees the 
sees the the throw and and right before he makes it, he's being pressured or he's getting hit, he's getting sacked, that kind of thing. And then other times he's got the time, but he's hanging on to the ball too goddamn long, you know. And, and there's always there's a lot of speculation, a lot of people asking if what Justin Fields did last year is that being coached out of him. Which is ironic because those were the same questions that we were asking about Mitch, where you know they were telling him not to run so much. They wanted him to throw. They wanted to him to run the offense from the pocket, throw the ball, as opposed to using. Because you know Mitch is nowhere near the athlete that Justin Fields is, but um, he was still really good on his feet and and still good when he broke the pocket and he ran the ball. And you saw the talent that made him a first round pick and all that kind of stuff, and we, God knows we saw that from Justin Fields uh, last year. You know, how many, like, 50-plus-yard touchdown runs did he have? I'm sure it was some kind of franchise record for 50-yard touchdown runs in a season. So, I mean, he set a few records last year, but, you know, how many, you know, 50-yard touchdown runs can somebody have in a season? Justin Fields was all over that last year, and yet – now it's it's just getting uglier by the day. He's standing back there like some kind of statue, and on plays where he doesn't have the time, he's standing back there. And on day on the plays that he does, he he won't get rid of the ball. He just won't get rid of it. I mean, he took a sack yesterday for like a six yard loss when he should have thrown it out of bounds. Would have saved us the yardage. So it would have been, I think, like second and ten, third and ten. Instead, it was like second and sixteen or something. Uh, like that it's like it's it's just all going to hell uh, on offense and there's only so much you can blame on the offensive line because Tampa Bay wasn't as ferocious up front as Green Bay was the week before last week against Green Bay his offensive line failed him he was constantly under pressure almost like three out of every five snaps he had somebody in his face or the pocket was collapsing uh, or something like that that really wasn't the case this week uh, against Tampa Bay. He had more time this week or at least enough time to be able to make the reads and make the throws. And there were there was time where he had all day to throw the ball, he just didn't get rid of it. He just didn't get rid of it. So it was incredibly frustrating to sit there uh and watch it uh and um you know, I'm I'm just impatient with it and and a lot of people are as well. I'm not quite ready to give up on Fields. Uh, just yet, but uh, you know, I think that <laughs> it's not going to be long before you know you're starting to hear an overwhelming cry for Tyson Bajent or uh, even God forbid Nathan P- anybody but Justin Fields to be out there. It's getting to that point. I'm sure some people are already there, especially after yesterday's performance because. Justin took some heat for the way the Green Bay game win, but for the most part, it was blamed on the offensive line and on the play calling from Luke Etsy. But this week, he had time to throw the ball. And at times, he just stood back there and stood back there. And there was one play in particular, like where you see the, the view from behind him, you're seeing wide, wide open receivers running all over the field, and he's just hanging on to the ball. And then he at the last second decides that he wants to run and ends up running like from the, from the play on the sideline, like the, the, the view on the side, 
it looked like he just ran right into the defenders. It just looks like he just ran right into them. Like, why would you do that? And then from the from the back view, you can see that he saw an opening, but as soon as he made the move to go for the opening, uh, Tampa Bay defender stepped in the gap and swallowed him up for uh, for the sack. And it's just, you know, four and a half seconds or something like that before that happened. That's a lifetime when you're in the pocket. So a lot of work to be done uh, with this offense and with Kansas City on the horizon. Obviously, you know, nobody's expecting much, if anything, uh, from this team uh, on Sunday. And then the following week, we have the Broncos uh, at home. Uh, Here's the bad news about Denver. Their offense, their defense is really, really good. So, yeah, could be another week that we struggle. And then after that, we got Washington, who's also defense, is really, really good. And, and we saw them personally savagely beat up on Justin Fields last year uh, in the Thursday night game. So it's And, and the, the other bitch of it is, these next, what, after the Kansas City game, which nobody's going to pick the Bears to win, but after the Kansas City game, we have Denver, we have, um, nope, we have Denver, then at Washington for Thursday night, Minnesota, Las Vegas, the Chargers, and the Saints. So the next six games after Kansas City, Denver, Washington, Minnesota, Vegas, Chargers, New Orleans. Forgive me for saying, they're all winnable. Every last one. Every last one. In fact, the one after New Orleans, we have Carolina. That's another winnable one. Before we finally get to Detroit, which would probably be the first game where I'm flat out picking against the Bears. I'm definitely picking the Lions. But, you know, Denver, Washington, Minnesota. Minnesota's 0-2. Vegas is 0-2. No, they're 1-1. They beat Denver last week. So they're 1-1 because they got murdered by Buffalo yesterday. The Chargers are 0-2. The Saints are playing right now, actually, against Carolina. Uh, But they're 1-0. They beat Tennessee last week, and then Carolina lost to Atlanta and is, like I said, playing the Saints right now. Detroit's 1-1. One one. They lost to Seattle. That game was outstanding, by the way. But as far as, like, watching these teams play, you know, the Bears might not be favored to win any of these games, but they're winnable, every last one of them. These are not top marquee, the Bears don't have a snowball's chance in health games that, we're, that we have up in front of us. It's just not the case. But with the way this team has played the first two weeks, I wouldn't put my money on the Bears in any of these games. <laughs> you know, it, it, it always comes down to that thing that I always love to say when it comes to, you know, making the pick at the end of the week. It's like, can the Bears win this game? Yes. Will they? Eh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Can they? Sure. Absolutely. If things go right, if they show up and they play. And for us, it's like if we show up, and if the Bears show up and play up to their their talent level, because we haven't seen the Bears do that yet, or at least we see it in flashes, just not for 60 minutes. And, you know, you look at the schedule that's ahead, none of it scares me. None of it scares me. It's, you know, Kansas City this week, like I already said in the open, 
You know, Kansas City's the world champs. They're until they're unseated, they're the best team in the NFL. They're number one. And, you know, they came up just a little bit short, but they were shorthanded against the Lions week one. And then last week after or this past week on Sunday, after they finally got past uh shooting themselves in the foot the entire first half. But their defense was dominant. They only gave up nine points to the the Jags who scored thirty one last week against Indianapolis. Went on the road and beat Jacksonville in their own house. And, you know, it's like they're not perfect, but they find a way to get it done. And they're, you know, leaps and bounds better than the Bears. They're definitely coached better than the Bears right now. But, you know, Kansas City looks beatable. They look beatable, at least the first two weeks they have. And then Denver, man, they're, yeah, they're a mess. Washington, they're a good football team. They're, they definitely, uh, you know, but they've had some struggles. They've had some big struggles. They went down early to the, to the Cardinals last week, had to dig it out at the end. Same thing yesterday against the Broncos. Washington was behind 21-3 to at one point in the first half before they came charging back uh, in the second half. And the reason that, that puts the Bears behind the eight ball is that, uh, you know, Washington is the definition of a team that plays all 60 minutes. We haven't seen the Bears do that yet. We see one drive here, one drive there, but the rest of it, we're just kind of running in place at best. So Minnesota's been struggling, but they're still scoring points, so there's that. Uh, Vegas has all the potential in the world, but they are also a team that can't seem to get out of its own way. They got massacred by Buffalo yesterday. Uh, New Orleans uh, looks good, but uh, you know they need to figure it out. On offense, they scored one touchdown, only had like 200 yards uh, of offense against the Titans uh, last Sunday. We'll see what they do against Carolina tonight. But, you know, and then the Panthers or Bryce Young, they struggled against the Falcons last week, and we'll see what they do against the Saints. So it's it's not a schedule, even from top to bottom. There isn't a, a team on this schedule the rest of the way where it's just like, oh, hell, we got this team this week. I mean, not even Green Bay. Green Bay did not look as good as they did against us last week. They did not look that good, and they blew a fourth-quarter lead to the Falcons. That's more the team I think everyone was expecting to see versus the one that beat the unholy piss out of us last week. So Green Bay doesn't look like, quote-unquote, the real deal that everybody was calling them after the game last Sunday. They looked human, and they got their asses kicked by Atlanta yesterday. So it's uh, nothing on this schedule scares me going forward which is why a lot of people were like, hey, the Bears could win 10, 11 games, God forbid, if everything goes right. Well, nothing's gone right so far, we're 0-2. So, yeah. As soon as this team starts to show up, and as soon as this team starts to play like the, like the team it appears to be on paper, we're going to keep having these review episodes where I'm pissing and moaning and bitching about this, that, or the other, or God forbid, throwing explicit tags on everything because I just can't contain my frustration anymore. So, which is probably what would have happened if I had done this episode yesterday. But I've had some chance. I've had a chance to cool down and evaluate and uh, and all that kind of stuff. So it's uh, we are where we are. So let's go ahead and dive into these uh, knee jerk reactions and start going back through the uh, through the game here and. Um, Try to take this thing step by step. Because like I said, we had the flashes, especially in the opening drive on offense, 
for us. It's like frustration started to set in almost immediately because the, the, the Buccaneers, uh, our kryptonite apparently is third and long, and the Buccaneers had their chances and made the defense look the way it did against Green Bay to get things started. And apparently it was just a sign of things to come as we went along. Knee-jerk reaction, first quarter, Bears and Bucks, And it's a feast or famine kind of game so far on defense. Still can't figure out how to stop anyone on third down. On the opening drive, the Bucks had third and eight and third and 11. And they got 13 on third and eight, 15 on third and 11. They were actually able to hold on third and 12. They only gave up 10 on third and 12. They had to settle for a field goal. And then the Bears in their opening drive, two big passes to DJ Moore, who's already got two targets, two catches, same as he did against Green Bay for 65 yards. Justin Fields caps it off with a one-yard touchdown run. The Bears are up 7-3. to three. That's where we sit right now. We're in the midst of the Bucks' second drive uh, of the first quarter where they've converted on third down once again. They're inside the red zone right now. It's going to be third and six when we start the second quarter here and it's just they're able to run the ball basically at will Yannick Ngakwe uh just whiffed on a, on a sack where he could have had Baker Mayfield for anywhere from an eight to ten yard loss Bayfield gets away from him and ends up making it like third and one or second and one uh on the play so like I said it's we just can't seem to get it going on defense apparently despite who the play caller is Eberflus the wizard himself but we have the lead for now, and we'll see how it goes when we come back on third and six to start the second quarter. Feast or famine would be a good way to describe the Bears in general uh, on offense and uh, on defense. Uh, I mean, to, to, to put it in a more kinder perspective, you know, going back and, and looking at the game as a whole, uh, it would be more apropos to be a bend but don't break is what we were doing on defense because for all the yards we were giving up and um we gave up almost 300 before halftime and I and I don't even know what it ended up being I would wager it was somewhere closer to 500 by the time the game uh was over and done with but you would think with the way the Bucks were moving the football with the time of possession that they had that they would have beaten us by a whole lot more than they did and in the end we were able to clamp down or we forced field goals, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, it was just really the offense that couldn't keep it going because as much as I hated to, I had to agree with, I believe, Moose Johnson was the color commentator yesterday for the game. Um, you know, you, you, you would think that, uh, you know, you'd be blaming the team looking at all the yards that the defense has given up and, or that you'd be blaming the defense looking at all the yards that they'd given up. But in, in fact, the truth of the matter is the defense is what kept us in it because the offense played just so poorly, aside from maybe two drives in the game, there was really nothing to write home about with the with the offense. It's just a lot of us, you know, coming away scratching our heads thinking, why can't we do this for the entire game? You know, and, and after we scored that opening drive touchdown. Uh, I went online and I and I tweeted. I was like, as as awesome as it was to watch the Bears march right down the field uh, on that opening drive, six plays, seventy five yards. We've already matched TJ or DJ Moore's uh, you know targets and catches for last week. We've more than doubled his yardage at the same time. 
Uh, you know, Justin Fields runs it in. Boy, this looks like our offense. However, despite being 3-14 and 14 last year, we led the league in opening drive scores. So it's not really so much that, you know, that we can score on the opening drive. It's, it's what we do for the rest of the game that is what you really want to keep your eye on. Because you, if you can dominate the league in opening drive scores and still have the worst record in the league, yeah, it just proves that it's a 60-minute ball game and you have to play all four quarters in order to actually win uh, a game. So, you know, it's like that's what I'm more intrigued to see. Watching them march down the field on the opening drive, that's old news at this point. You know, Luke Getze apparently is awesome at scheduling the, or scripting those first 15 plays or whatever it is to start off a football game. It's what happens from here is how you have to judge this offense. And I hate it when I'm right. I hate it when I'm right about things like this when it comes to uh, being negative or pessimistic or, or whatever. But the Bears just have this ugly habit of making me right most of the time when it comes to things like this. You know, it was more like uh, like Lee Corso says on, on uh, game day. Not so fast, my friend. It's like, oh, you think the Bears are back? Well, let's watch the rest. Of, let's watch the rest of these three and a half quarters left and see how we feel uh, at the end of it, as far as our offense uh, is concerned. Because they come out against some of the best teams in the league last year and managed to put points on the board uh, to take an early lead or to score first or whatever, only to you know lose to almost everyone we played last year. So it's more so what we do from the second drive and beyond that uh, you know we'll use to judge where this offense actually is. And sure enough, that's what happened. The uh, <laughs> you know it, it just you'll hear me talk about it more in the second quarter uh, knee jerk reaction because the the Bears didn't get the ball back until uh, the second quarter. They uh, the you know the Buccaneers had the ball for I think a little over twelve minutes of the first quarter. The, the you know the six play seventy five yards like two and a half minutes to score the opening drive was the only time the Bears had the ball in the first quarter, which was a bad recipe for the the football game. If you know we're, we're going to need the defense to make a play later on, and they've been out there for eighty plays or something like that, and the heat and the humidity and everything, and we made things a little easier on ourselves wearing those ugly ass orange uh, jerseys, so it wouldn't be the dark colors that tend to absorb heat. Uh, and things like that, but you know, it just uh, it, it starts to weigh on you. The heat alone will weigh on you, and um, you know the, the fact that they were out there for you know ninety percent of the game after one quarter did not bode well for the rest of the game. So, as we get into the second quarter, knee jerk reaction. Like I said, I turn out to be right about hey. Before you get too excited about us scoring on the opening drive, it's what you it's what we did that last year a lot more than anybody else in the league. It's what we did after, you know, that the second drive and beyond is what you really need to watch when it comes to this offense. Knee jerk reaction, second quarter, Bears, Bucks. The second quarter was an absolute mess. Uh we couldn't <laughs> Uh, on offense, after that beautiful opening drive, six plays, 75 yards, you know, 60 yards receiving for DJ Moore, uh, a touchdown run for Justin Fields. We have, you know, maybe 30 yards of offense on the three drives that we had. 
in the second quarter, including the drive after we block a field goal attempt. That, that drive that the Bucks were starting the second quarter with blocked a field goal and uh, <laughs> three plays, negative 14 yards before we give the ball back to Tampa Bay. The next drive, three plays, one yard gained before giving uh, the football back. We finally put a drive together, or we were starting to put one together, and then Justin Fields all of a sudden forgot to, you know, like if it's a game of Madden, just forgot to hit the button to throw the ball because he just sat back there looking at the secondary, got himself sacked, and uh, thanks to a 52-yard Cairo Santos field goal, it was 10-10, and then the Buccaneers engineered a field goal drive just before the half to make it 13-10. So we're not out of this game by any stretch but I just got a feeling the second half is not going to be good if the offense can't hold up its end. We've already given up almost three, like 293 yards of total offense to the Bucks in the first half. And I can't even imagine what the time of possession battle looks like. We got to control the ball on offense, put some drives together, give our defense a breather, or the second half is going to get brutal and Tampa Bay is going to pull away. <laughs> well, the good news is... Um... Well, let's do it this way. The bad news was the offense did not hold up its end. The good news is the defense somehow managed not to tire out, or at least I never got the feeling that they were, that it was that the plays that were being made had anything to do with them being tired. It just felt like, you know, they weren't making the plays. Like, you know, you just didn't, you can always kind of tell when the defense is tired. You can tell from there. From their body language, when you see the linemen go down in their stance, looks like their hands weigh 100 pounds when they get down in that three-point stance and, and all that kind of stuff. You you can read it on the players. And I didn't really get a sense that the team was tired. I'm sure that they were, but it, like you didn't get the sense they were overly fatigued uh, in the third and the fourth quarter uh, You know, due to the fact that they were out there way too long or for too many plays or the offense wasn't getting done. And um, but the second quarter, like I said, it just—I can only imagine what the time of possession battle was. We didn't get to see a graphic for it going into the second half, but we were already losing the time of possession battle by ten minutes after the first quarter, and it wasn't much better uh, in the second quarter. Uh, we were able to get some stops uh, in the second quarter to get the ball back in the hands, but we were three plays, three plays, three plays, just giving it right back uh, to the Buccaneers. You know, like I said in, in the. And the reaction, our, our, our response drive after blocking a field goal, which should be a game-changing momentum swing kind of event, three plays, negative 14 yards before we punt the ball back. So for all the good that it did to, to actually do something that's pretty rare in the NFL, which is to block a field goal, doesn't happen a lot. You know, maybe once a week, if that, you'll block a field goal or an extra point. But it's a bigger deal to block a field goal because you can run that one back for a touchdown. That can change the entire uh, swing of the game in one direction or the other. And we blocked the field goal. And the first sign that it just, you know, you start to see these kind of things. It's just just not going to be our day was we blocked the field goal and Tampa Bay managed to recover it. I think it was the the placeholder of all people that ended up recovering it for Tampa. So we didn't even get to do the the scoop and score thing because the Buccaneers got there first. But we blocked the extra, we blocked the field goal, denied them points when they gotten inside the red zone and everything like that. Should have been this huge momentum shifting moment, and instead 
it was just a blip in the you know a blip on a bump on the road for the for the Buccaneers because it was no harm no foul. Three plays later, they had the ball back. You know, they sacked Fields twice, or actually they, they sacked Fields once. They ran one of those stupid ass jet sweeps uh, on the other play, and then I think uh, Khalil Herbert got like one yard or something on third down, and uh, we ended up punting the ball back. So it was a it was a no harm no foul kind of blocked field goal because those happen all the time too right so and then like i said the, the drive after three plays one yard gained before we gave it right back uh to um to tampa bay uh they ended up scoring a touchdown on a uh and the, the play that set it up was a blatant miscall. call yet another sign that just wasn't gonna be our day mike evans damn near uh you know karate chops tyreek stevenson in the throat uh doing a push-off and from every angle that they showed it, it was a push-off. Every single angle. All biased aside. You go back and you look at, look at it. Evans definitely throws a forearm into Tyreek Stevens and sends him flying backwards as the ball was in the air, catches it, runs it 70 yards to get the Bucks inside the 10, and they turn it into a touchdown uh, a couple of plays later. But it was a blatant, blatant push-off. That should have been offensive pass interference, run that all the way back or I think, you know, from where they were on the field, maybe even half the distance to the goal or whatever. And But no, no, no flag, no call. 70 yards later, we tackle Mike Evans inside the 10-yard line and the Buccaneers scored off that play. So it's just like, okay, I guess that's what this – I guess they're letting them play today because, uh, you, you know, you can throw blatant forearm shivers into somebody's jawline and, and no referee is going to call it. Uh, especially after you turn that blatant penalty into a 70-yard gain that flips field position and puts you in scoring position. That's that's awesome. So, you know, like I said, we were well, that third drive, we were putting something together. We we're moving the ball a little bit, and then it all went to hell. <laughs> and we lost some yards. We And, you know, Fields took a sack that almost knocked us out of field goal range to where Santos had to attempt a 52-yard field goal as opposed to I think we were looking at maybe a low 40-yard kick uh, when we got to our furthest point uh, on that drive, and instead it was 52 that we needed from Cairo. Thankfully, he pushed it through uh, to make it 10-10 at the time, and then the Bucs once again uh, kicked the field goal before halftime. So, you know, but it's just like they were talking about, hey, the defense has given up almost 300 yards of total offense, and it's not even halftime yet. And that's what was like, you know, this could get ugly if the team has been out there. We know for almost 12 to 13 minutes in the first quarter, and here we are uh, in the second quarter. They were out there a lot in the second quarter. They've given up almost 300 yards of total offense. Thankfully, there's only 13 points on the board for Tampa, so we're not out of this thing. And, you know... It just, you didn't get the sense then, and you certainly didn't feel it after the third quarter either. Knee-jerk reaction, third quarter, Bears-Bucks, and it just, uh, hits just keep on rolling here. Uh, the Bears uh, completely shut out in the third quarter. We can't stop anything on uh, offense, uh, or we can't get anything going on offense. We can't stop anything on defense. Uh, the Bucks just uh, not too long ago, Caught every break on on a drive that you can, mixed in with some piss-poor effort uh, from the defense. 
Uh, you know, one key play, Jalen Johnson, a beautiful peanut punch, punches the ball right out of the, the, the defender's hands. The ball literally goes 10 yards backwards, rolled right into the arms of uh, Baker Mayfield, so the Bucks keep possession. And on the very next play, on third and seven, because, of course, it had to happen on third down, uh, Baker Mayfield over the top to Mike Evans, who was wide open for a touchdown to put the Bucks up uh, 20 to 10. Uh, and quite frankly, we're lucky it's as close as it is right now because Baker Mayfield looks like Joe Montana out there. He can't do anything wrong. You know, he's basically got a horseshoe up his ass the entire game. Like just one play after another, Baker Mayfield can do no wrong today. He's playing the perfect defense to make him look like the number one overall pick that, you know, was the savior of Cleveland and everything. And Justin Fields looks like the bust that all the haters say he is and it's just it's getting worse as we go along the offensive line can't protect him he's hanging on to the ball too long whatever whatever he can whatever can go wrong on a given play is going wrong and like i said that's why i feel like the bears are lucky we're only down 10 going into the fourth quarter and a few moments later in the fourth quarter the bears get the ball back and there was a little more than 10 minutes to go in the game. We're down 10 points. So I, I went online and I tweeted, we're down 10 with more than 10 minutes to go. This game is not over by any stretch of the imagination. But I have no confidence. I have zero confidence that the Bears can pull this off. And then I, then I said at the end, prove me wrong. I beg you, please, prove me wrong. This is what I, you know, like I said, I, I have this horrible, uh, you know, reputation or, uh, you know, uh, for, for being right when I'm being up or pessimistic or negative, uh, or whatever, maybe it's just from my many years of watching this team, uh, over the decades or, or, or whatever, but it's just whenever I, whenever I act this way, very rarely do the bears go like, oh yeah, well hold my beer, watch this. And it just, you don't ever see them do it. And, you know, you just didn't get the feeling the way the offense was playing that it was possible. It was that old cliche, you know, that you like to throw in there. It's like we're down by 10 with the way the offense is. It might as well be 100. That's how impossible 10-point lead or a 10-point deficit looks with the way this offense is playing right now. And it just it's, it's frustrating to, to have a, that low a bit of confidence in your team, especially for one, like in, in my case, and probably for most people listening to this right now, a team that you love like this, a team that you have a passion for, to to sit there and, you know, see them in this in this type of situation or in a certain situation, and you're like, oh, boy, there's just, there's no way, not no, at least not today anyway. I, I've, there, I've seen nothing from this team that says, they're prepared for this or that they're 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 up to the challenge here that they're going to go out there and they're going to get not only are they going to get these 10 points but they're going to throw in a few extra and take the lead in this son of a bitch nope i don't have any feeling what about that whatsoever because for the second year in a row when they show Justin Fields and company on the sidelines they've got this the sad defeated look on their faces body language is important and if you look like you if you look like you've given up on the sidelines, that's you know it is just you're you're fighting an uphill battle to begin with, and it's just you know did not see any optimism 
or, or, or maybe it was just bad luck. Is fact, you know, that, uh, you know, when they cut to the sidelines, you saw them just kind of sitting around staring off into space and we were missing the moments where they're walking the sidelines and trying to pump each other up and, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. That could be possible as well. However, anytime they did cut to Justin Fields on the sidelines, he's just sitting there kind of drifting off into the afternoon sun uh, or whatever. Uh, it was more important to get into the shade than it was to, you know, try to jack up his teammates to take the field and be ready next time and uh, things like that. So, you know, going into the fourth quarter, I didn't have any any, any hope that uh, we'd be able to, to pull this off because, A, you know, 10 points was a lot, and we were lucky to have the 10 points we had at that point. But to get 10 more and then add more to it just didn't seem like this team had it in them. However, when we got to the fourth quarter, the Bears made a run, but in the end, they had a shot. They had the ball back. They were only down three. It was, it was a scenario that we saw them that fail in last year when we were all blaming it on the talent deficit, that if he had better receivers, if the guys would catch the ball, if these receivers would get open, you know, we might start winning some of these football games. Well, here's your chance. Here is your chance. You're down three. There was like three and a half minutes to go. Got all your timeouts, and you got the football. Let's go win this goddamn thing. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that didn't happen. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction. Fourth quarter, Bears-Bucks. And uh, after Justin Fields' second consecutive interception in as many drives, uh, there's a minute seven to go in the game, and it's over. Um, a very promising drive from the Bears offense. Justin Fields, 6 for 6, 92 yards, caps it off with a touchdown pass to, yes, you heard it correctly, Chase Claypool to make it a 2017 ball game. After giving up a couple of first downs, the defense finally forces a punt that has the Bears deep in their own territory. And Luke Getze just cannot get away from those screen plays. And one of them gets read by Shaq Barrett, who picks it off and runs it back three whole yards for a touchdown to make it 27 to 17. And then on the ensuing drive uh, on third and 19, because that's where we live uh, on offense, Fields throws one across the middle of the field to Claypool. Claypool can't hang on to it. It ricochets into the arms of a defender ball game. The Bears fall to 0-2. Not only did they play bad, they wore those orange uniforms, so they looked awful the entire game. They deserved this 0-2 start, and it's a guaranteed 0-3 start, at least. At least, because we have Kansas City in Arrowhead next Sunday. So, again, we had some flashes. Just like we did on the first drive of the game, we moved down the field like pros. You know, we were Justin Fields, like I said, 6-for-6, six six, looking like a boss. 92 yards, big touchdown pass to Chase Claypool, and you really felt like the momentum was shifting. Like, yeah, all right, we're only down three. You know, we were we were we're in this ball game. We're, you know, here we are. It's a football game now. Uh, and like I said, the defense gave up a couple of first downs, but in the end, they got us the ball back deep in our own territory. But they got it back for us. And God help Luke Getzey and his screenplays. I don't I don't know. What it is, I know that they ran a lot of screens uh, in Green Bay. They had a lot of success with it and, and all that kind of stuff. We saw some, 
some good things on the screen in uh, in the preseason. But, uh, you know, running a screenplay when you're having trouble protecting the quarterback on a normal play, horrible idea. Now, it wasn't the pressure that forced Justin Fields to throw the interception or anything like that. It was the fact that, you know, Bears like to run screenplays in inexplicable places or, you know, times in where, where most people would try to run something different. Uh, so keep your eye open for the screenplay. Or if you see the, the running back release without touching somebody like Khalil Herbert did on that particular play, maybe drop back because the ball might be coming. And sure enough, it was. Shaq Barrett picks it off, and, you know, the dog pile gets pushed into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown. It was over after that. So, again, this is the scenario that we that we wanted to see because last year it was, you know, Justin Fields can only do so much. He can throw the ball, but he can't make him catch it. Well, your talent level is increased across the board here. Uh, you got DJ Moore in there. The guy will catch anything thrown in his direction. Uh, he's got six catches for 104 yards up to this point. So not only is he... Catching anything you throw in, he, he's being extremely productive with it. I think it breaks down to almost 17 yards uh, reception uh, when, uh, if, you, if you do the math. But, you know, it just, uh, here we are. So now you've got the talent level, and uh, let's see you go out there and, and do it. And third and 19, so we lost yards. Uh, on the uh, on the drive and uh, throws it right to right to Shaq Barrett, who just reaches a paw out and, and sticks it. And, you know, and even if Khalil Herbert catches the ball, there was a defender right there that would have swallowed him right up for no gain. If it was a gain at all, you know, we still might have been behind the line of scrimmage. But uh, you know, nonetheless, whether it got picked off by Barrett's or we're punting the ball, we're we're or we're going for it on like fourth and fifteen from our own seven yard line. Or, or some crazy shit like that. It just, it was doomed to fail. We're absolutely doomed to fail. And, uh, you know, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing. We're not doing anything that we were doing last year. Because we're not, we're not even really trying to run the ball. And um, I was like, I know that uh, we might not have the same level of faith in the offensive line that we did or, you know, when, when Tevin Jenkins, or that we do when Tevin Jenkins is out there, but we don't have him for at least another two weeks. Possibly three if they don't think he can be ready for the Washington game. So, you know, it might be week six before we see Tevin Jenkins on the field. But, uh, you know, which would uh, change the face of our offensive line to put him back out there, shift Cody Whitehair back over to center, which is an upgrade in two positions. And, uh, you know, if we get Nate Davis back as he was out because apparently that personal issue that he'd been dealing with throughout training camp and things like that was uh, he had a a sick family member who did unfortunately pass away this week. So he was – he did make the trip with the team to be there with his family, probably for the services or to make arrangements and and things like that. So, you know, hopefully um, he can get himself mentally – prepared after now that it's finally over. Maybe it, it was one of those things, that, um, something that my family and I dealt with last year uh, during the fall. Um, my dad's mom, my grandmother uh, had been ill 
for a while. She had uh, dementia and, and things like that. And as as sad as we were to to lose her, it was more of a relief when her time finally came uh, last October. And um, I'm hoping that Nate Davis is going to have that kind of peace where, yeah, it's, you know, he's sad to lose the family member, whichever one it was uh, that he lost. But, uh, you know, that person's suffering is over and selfishly so is his because you don't have to worry about uh, when or anything like that. And, uh, you know, that's all over with. And so I hope that, that that finally happened can give Nate Davis some peace so that he can be the player that we signed him uh, to be just speaking selfishly as a fan and as a human being, because like I said, going through something like that last year, I know what that's like. And I had actually gone through it about 12, 13 years prior in 2009 with my mom's mom, same thing was ill for a while. And you know, when her passing came, it was more of a relief for her and for us. So we didn't have to worry about her. And, you know, and and to, and to pity her and to feel bad for her because she was suffering and uh, and all that kind of stuff. She finally had peace, and you know that part was over for her. She so she could rest now, and hopefully that's what Nate Davis is going through. You know, you have your grief, you suffer your loss, but more than anything, it's it's relief that it's over for her and it's over for you, and uh, you can move on now. And hopefully that's a place that Nate Davis can get to. Because we need him. We need him. So, I mean, JT Carter played well yesterday, so I have no complaints about how he performed in Nate Davis's uh, place. Um, you know, maybe we throw him in at left guard and put Cody Whitehair back at center until Tevin comes back and uh, see how that looks uh, or whatever, because Lucas Patrick was getting shoved around by Vita Vea like it was nobody's business yesterday. So, but, you know, it just... Uh, it went down the way it did. We had a chance at the end, which is kind of a moment that we were hoping for to see if there was a real difference between this year and last year. Uh, Cause that's, you know, a lot of those things we were saying, like, you know, if we had better talent around fields. We could probably get one of these drives, maybe win a couple of these games. Well, we had better talent around him now and it looked worse than it did last year. So Yeah. So hopefully this is more of the, you know, I hope the people that are saying be patient are right. I hope that they're right. And that after another week or two uh, of struggling, it's all going to snap into place and the offense is going to come into its own. And then after suffering through this nonsense in the first quarter of the season, you know, uh, we, 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 we snap into it. Uh, you know, against the Commanders or against the, you know, Minnesota who we play, you know, after the mini-buy uh, or whatever. And uh, maybe we can steal a win or two between here and there and, uh, you know, kind of get the season going. And then that's where we'll see the difference between this year's talent and last year's because, you know, some of those games that we lost last season, we could have used the DJ more in those clutch moments and, and things like that. Uh, when we didn't have him. So I don't know. Maybe they're right, and we just need to be patient, especially with this team that didn't play any live reps together during the during the preseason and all that kind of stuff and, and, and waiting for that to kind of come to fruition. 
Um, but if they're wrong, we're in for another long year and probably at the very least new coordinators last year. Uh, I mean, I, that actually might be something we want to explore now with, uh, with Getsy and maybe not so much fire Luke Getsy, but take the playbook away from him. And maybe give it to Andrew Donico, our quarterback coach who's being groomed to be the OC, uh, you know, because they're optimistically thinking that, uh, Hey, if this goes well for Getsy and you know the the Bears offense comes to life under his tutelage, then he's going to get a head coaching job somewhere, and we're not going to want to bring somebody in to kind of start over from scratch. So you know our quarterback coach uh, Andrew Jonico, maybe uh, maybe let's groom him with uh, with play calling or you know something like that, so we won't have to start over from uh, from point A. Uh, you know, if, if Lou Getze takes a coaching job somewhere. So, you know, if that's what the Bears have been doing, then maybe we need a fresh perspective here. And, uh, you know, with with him being uh, Fields' quarterback coach, they spend a lot more time together, or one would think anyway, at least in, in meetings and whatnot, that uh, maybe, just maybe, he might have a better perspective on, on what we need to be doing. I don't know. Just spitballing here. So, but, uh, you know, I was kind of hoping that uh, the defensive coordinator thing would take care of itself and see a marked improvement from the defense with Eberflus calling the defensive plays, but uh, we didn't see that. Still struggling on third down. Still, uh, and had a poor day with tackling as well. We didn't sack Baker Mayfield. We were getting there, but we weren't closing the deal. There were at least two or three examples of us getting our hands on Mayfield and not bringing him down. Uh, and, and two of them, I think, were by Yannick Ngakwe, that one in the first quarter where they ended up uh, turning an eight-yard loss into a, like a nine-yard gain or something like that. Uh, and then there was one later on in the ball game. And the real problem was they were going high both times. Try to get grab um, – and, and Mayfield's not a big guy. It's not like he was you know Cam Newton or something. You're trying to grab a six-foot-six man – take him down by his shoulders or anything like that but it's like in both those instances the contact made with Mayfield was up around his shoulder pads as opposed to getting getting low grabbing him around the waist taking him to the ground so yeah it was just a poor showing and showing no real difference between Matt Eberflus's defense and Allen Williams calling it uh kind of thing so yeah, can't necessarily call for Allen Williams' job when the guy that uh, you know mentored Williams in Indianapolis didn't look any better uh, production-wise. In fact, I think that uh, statistically, uh, Allen Williams may have been better last week against Green Bay than Eberflus was against Tampa Bay, which is a frightening thought to have. But I don't know. It's but it's like people are calling for jobs. They're you know already talking about twenty twenty four and where the Bears would be if the if the season ended today, we'd I think we'd have like the number two, number three pick in the draft right now on our own. And God only knows what we'd get from uh from Carolina kind of thing. But we'd definitely be in quarterback territory. And that would make a lot of people happy to go and get uh Caleb Williams or Drake May or whatever quarterback of the moment's going to be when uh, the draft rolls around next year. So it's an ugly, ugly mess. Ugly, ugly mess. And so, like I said, I'm hoping that the people that are calling for patience end up being right 
and after this team's had a few games under its belt, like they did last year, the light bulb goes on, we figure it out, and this offense really takes off, and that will help us start winning some ball games. But right now, that just doesn't look like it's going to happen. So, because we're seeing the same thing that we saw last year. We're not putting Justin Fields in the best chance, best possibility to succeed. And uh, Justin's not doing himself any favors by hanging on to the ball and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And it looks like they're trying to coach the running out of him. They want him to be a pocket passer and throw from the pocket as opposed to letting him be the athlete he is and letting him create his own opportunities. So we saw Baker Mayfield do that all over the place yesterday. He's rolling here. He's moving there. You know, at one point he did like a shovel pass to somebody and got a first down and, and things like that. So it's just Baker Mayfield was doing what he did in, in Oklahoma, what made him successful in Cleveland, uh, that, that playoff season that they had and, and all that kind of stuff. It's what made him the number one pick. That's, that's what he was doing yesterday. And, you know, for all the talk they had about making, making it sound like Tampa Bay was Baker's last shot uh, to be a uh, – a long-term quarterback solution for somebody in the league. Uh, we made him look like Tampa Bay would be foolish not to sign him to a 10-year extension right now. So that's the kind of day it was. That's how he played on defense, and it was a bona fide mess. So anyway, guys, that's going to do it for the Week 2 review. Let's go ahead and close this bad boy out with everybody's favorite segment, Bear Up, Bear Down. <laughs> bear Up, Bear Down for Week number 2. And uh, after being shut out in the bear-up category last week, I have one bear-up this week. So we're averaging 0.5 bear-ups in the first two weeks of the season. And that one bear-up goes to DJ Moore. He's the only person that really showed up to play yesterday. You know, I can't really say that about anybody else uh, on the field uh, for the Bears. Six catches. 104 yards, still yet to score his first touchdown uh, as a Bear, officially. Anyway, he's got that preseason one under his belt. But, uh, you know, six catches, 104 yards, that's a hell of a day. Like I said, that's nearly 17 yards uh, a reception. Uh, It was the DJ Moore show on that first drive. And, uh, you know, when the ball's thrown his way, he's going to catch it and, and do something, obviously. You know, with lopsided figures like that, six catches, 104 yards. I mean, there were, you know, guys in the in the NFL yesterday at six catches for 15 yards or something crazy like that. D.J. Moore out there getting it done. So he gets the one bear up I'm, I've given out so far in the first two weeks. Bear down. Luke Getze. Screen pass from our own, from inside our own five-yard line in the fourth quarter. We're trying to make a move and, and get the ball downfield to, to either at least try to tie, at the very least tie, or God forbid, try to win the goddamn thing, and you're running your screenplays, which everybody's on to by now, but you're going to run them anyway. Okay, Matt Nagy, good luck with that. So bear down to him. Bear down Braxton Jones. Had 12 penalties all of 2022. He's already got six so far in uh, 2023. And uh, not only he had, not only did he have a false start on one play, he followed it up on the next play by just completely whiffing on a sack and getting Justin Fields killed. So that was fun to watch. So I don't know if this is the sophomore slump, Braxton, but it's a bad, bad time to be 
uh, to start looking like a fifth round pick. That's it's a bad, bad look, man. So get it together. Uh, bear down to our tackling yesterday, and and more specifically to what I like to call first man tackling, because it was never the first guy that made the play. The first guy got ran past his, you know, arm tackle got run through or he missed or whatever it was. It was always the second guy and sometimes second and third guy had to come in and help him out to make the tackle and uh, stop the play. So, so much for the hits principle. And I just remember being so excited after Eberflus got hired, knowing that he was a disciple of Rod Marinelli and, you know, having flashbacks of the defense that we had in those Marinelli years uh, with the loaf system and, and all that kind of stuff, seeing clips uh, from, the, from the Bears players themselves, like Alex Brown, uh, you know, and guys like that tweeting out uh, video clips uh, of what the hits principle actually looks like. The, the, there was one play in particular uh, against Minnesota that I saw that was like my absolute favorite where I think it was like Chester Taylor caught a pass out in the flat. And by the end of the play, I think nine of the 11 Bears that were on the field were in the area of the tackle. Briggs, Erlacher, Tommy Harris, you know, it's like everybody that was wearing a Bear uniform was on that pile there to make the play. And that's what I was like, yeah, yeah, that's what we need right there. You know, that swarming defense where one where there's one, there should be six or seven right behind him uh, kind of thing. Just wall it all off and make it happen. And we're not seeing it. We aren't seeing it. And like I said, the, the, the first person is never the guy that makes the tackle. It's always the second or third or, God forbid, the fourth guy that finally brings him down. But after that, by then, all the damage has been done. You know, what should have been maybe a one- or a two-yard gain is now a seven- or eight-yard gain, and that more times than not is going to get you a first down and reset the chains. So tackling has to be a lot better. Bear down, Justin Fields. Can't blame the offensive line for all the woes in this one. Were they, were they good? No. But they were better than they were last week. You had opportunities. You had time. You had open receivers. Throw the goddamn ball. I don't know if you just don't trust yourself or if you don't trust the window or whatever it is, man. But this is not Ohio State. They're not going to be so blatantly wide open that you, know, you can wait for them to be 10 yards open before you throw the ball. There is a huge difference between open in college and open in the NFL, you know, if, if it, it, it all, and it's, and a lot of it comes on to you. There is that phrase. He throws guys open where the guy didn't look like he was open, but he put the ball in the only place his receiver would have been able to get it and completed the pass. Therefore throwing his, his receiver open. And we've seen you do it. I've seen you do it. My favorite Justin Fields play up to this point was that Monday night game against Pittsburgh, that absolute rope that he threw to Jimmy Graham down the middle of the field where only Jimmy Graham could have caught it. It was an absolute laser of a throw. And I was like, yes, yes, that is the guy that we drafted. That guy who is known for his accuracy, especially his deep ball accuracy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I know that Getzey's not putting you in the best position right now, but... You did not do well with the opportunities that you had yesterday 
and you couldn't blame it all on the offensive line. A lot of that was on you. I don't remember, I don't know how many times you got sacked uh, yesterday, but I would put it at, at, at the very least a 50-50 split between you and the offensive line on who was to blame for those sacks. So I hope that you're sick and tired of having to apologize, apologize to your teammates and your fan base. We're all sick of it too, and we would love to see better from you. I haven't given up on you yet, man. I think you can do it. I really, really do. I was super excited when we drafted you. It felt like a fantasy come true that the Bears would be able to draft Justin Fields. I thought the quarterback problem was over. Finally. Finally, we have somebody who can be the best quarterback in the division. We have that guy. And you have the potential to be that guy. You're not playing like him. You know, we're only two games into year three, but everybody's writing you off, bro. Everybody's writing you off. You're another Mitch Trubisky. Some super talented quarterback that's out over his skis as far as the NFL is concerned is probably going to end up being a, a very faithful and trusty backup somewhere. Or maybe, maybe optimistically, you can be the next Geno Smith where if you can stick around in the league long enough, you'll finally figure it out and be a starting quarterback for somebody someday. But right here, right now, you don't look like the guy. And I still think you can be. So please start being that guy so I can start winning that argument again. And then finally, bear down to Matt Eberflus. Number one, we're not seeing a whole lot of hits principle taking place out there. We're not seeing the, the effort and, uh, you know, I, I hope that you guys are breaking the scoreboard, counting the loafs uh, in, in, in film study because I've seen plenty uh, just watching. And, uh, you know, the effort that we're seeing as far as tackling uh, is concerned, as you heard me say, the first person isn't the one who – it's almost never the guy that makes the actual tackle. You just don't see it. It's always the second guy, the third guy, and, and what have you uh, making the tackle. Uh, you had an opportunity to to show how the defense is supposed to be run with you making the calls, and I doubt you were even as good as William was last week, and he was terrible. So, yeah. I, I was hoping that with you calling the plays at least that uh, we'd actually be able to see a difference in the talent level that we had last year and the talent level that we do this year. Because on paper, we're supposed to be head and shoulders above where we were a year ago, and yet we're not playing like it. We've just lost our 12th regular season game in a row, and we've given up more than 25 points in all of them. The last time the defense put together a solid performance was the last time that we had Roquan and Robert Quinn on the team when we held the Patriots to 14 points on Monday Night Football almost a full calendar year ago. So whatever changes need to be made, make them, make them now. Do not let this thing get away from you. Do it right now while you still have a chance to turn this thing around. To, never mind worrying about getting the fans back in because you've lost some people that aren't coming back until you've won 10 in a row, let alone win one or two or win one game or, or anything like that. There, there are people that are gone that are going to be gone until you're in the Super Bowl. But people like me who are still waiting for this team to show up, do it for me, please. Okay, like I said in my tweet yesterday, prove me wrong. I beg you, I beg you, prove me wrong, please. Please prove me wrong, man. I want to have victory Mondays 
uh, you know, for these review episodes. I want to have more bear ups than I can hand out. You know, I want to have more bear ups than I have players to give them to, uh, kind of thing. I want to be given bear ups to categories of things, you know, <laughs> bear ups to, to, you know, to screenplays, bear up to wide receivers, you know, things like that. Just, just help me out here, man. I want this show to be a lot more fun and, uh, I want to stop bitching and belly aching. I've been doing it for the better part of the last decade since we fired lovey. So come on, man, help me out, fix this team, whatever we need to do. <sighs> anyway, that's going to do it guys for the week two review episode of the bear stock underground. Um, let's see. I'm recording this on Monday night, but, uh, later on today, cause this is coming out Tuesday morning later on this evening, the, uh, week two review episode of the fourth phase where we will recap everything in week number two across the entire uh, NFL. We'll talk about our pick six, the all-out blitz, and uh, so much more. So come on back for that later on today, and then we'll finally close the book on week number two. So come on back for that. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.